so let's get started by welcoming Lizzie. Good morning. Um, if I, I'm not used to holding a microphone, so if I need to lift it or put it down, just give me a little signal, guys. Um, when I was at uni, I lived with a group of really lovely girls, and um, I sort of became a Christian halfway through the year of living with them. And I had not been living like a Christian at all the first sort of bit, <laughs> and so I had a radical change. And um, they asked me a lot of questions about my faith, which was lovely. They were really sweet about it. But a lot of their questions were quite practical, and specifically about prayer. So they would say, oh, so do you, do you always kneel? Or do you have to pray before all the food you eat are just meals? Or do you have to go confess to someone? They were just quite curious. And if I'm honest, I sort of bungled the answers. I didn't really know uh, what to say. And, um, and I, looking back, I sort of wished that I had gotten to the heart of it, which what they were really asking is, why are you praying? But they never really came out and said that, and I never really made the link. And um, So I think it's really, going to be really great to start this morning by talking about why we pray, why I pray, is because the creator of the universe, the king of kings, he knows me and he loves me, and I was made to be in a relationship with him. The guy that we were singing about this morning, who people were bringing scriptures about, He's made a way through Jesus for us to have a relationship with him forever. And that starts now. It starts when you start to love him, believe in him. This God, he is patient. He is kind and merciful. He is a wise counselor. He is our friend. He made us and he knows us. He never sleeps. He lovingly pursues us. And this is a guy I want to have a relationship with. And for me, that's what prayer is. It's personal communication with God. And the area of prayer that I specifically want to talk about is the most personal to me. And in the Bible, it talks a lot about um, praying constantly. In Ephesians six eighteen, which is right after talking about the armor of God, which Mary brought this morning, it says, praying at all times. In Romans twelve twelve, it says, be constant in prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says to pray without ceasing. In Romans 8.26-27, it talks about the Holy Spirit helping us. It's up behind me. It talks about the Holy Spirit helping us. And the bit that I love is, if we don't know what to pray, he does our praying in us and for us. He's making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. He knows us that well. Whether or not you choose to, to, to pray with him in that way, that's how well he knows us. And so I think it's sort of like, um, this is one for the millennials, it's sort of like having a data plan on your phone that's like five gigabytes of data and you only use 500 megabytes. We've got this access and this relationship with God that he has made a way for. And I think sometimes when we think, oh, praying at all times, being constant in prayer, praying without ceasing, it can feel a bit like when a coach is like, give 110%. Mm. You're like, well, that's impossible. Like, I get the gist of it. But actually, through the Spirit, we actually can. He's so good. He's made a way. He helps us. So for me, when I'm choosing to, to, to try to live like this and asking the Spirit to help me, what it looks like is I'm choosing to direct all of my thoughts towards God. I'm choosing to give him full access to my range of emotions, to my heart, to my hopes, to my dreams. And I'm choosing to sort of direct that all towards him in prayer. That's what constant prayer looks like for me. And I find that when I'm doing this, I'm quicker to praise him, and I'm quicker to see something beautiful or amazing, and, oh, God, that's so good. 
And we live in this amazing country, in this amazing city. It's not hard to sort of, I find I praise him more. I find that I am so grateful more because I'm just so quick to say that to him, just have that conversation with him. I'm quicker to apologize, to say sorry to God. The Bible calls it repenting. I'm quicker, oh, sorry, God, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have shouted at my kids. I'm quicker to apologize then to the person I probably need to apologize to as well. But I feel his forgiveness straight away. And I think if we hold on to these things, that like shame snowball can get bigger and bigger. And then you sort of feel, oh, God, I don't know how I can talk to you about this. But if we're quick to pray, if we're constant in prayer, we feel his forgiveness straight away. I'm quicker to ask for help from him. I'm quicker to say, oh, Lord, please. I mean, sometimes I'm going to be honest with you. In constant prayer, this often is, please help me parallel park. <laughs> please help me. Please help me do this. Thank you, Lord. You help me park here. Help, thank you for, you know, we live in Edinburgh. I drive a big car. I've got four kids. But if I'm honest, that's, it is not, there's nothing too big or too small. And it's just having that open communication with God. I'm quicker to offer prayer because I'm praying more constantly that I'm quicker to, to try to direct my friends and my family towards God because of it. And it's not just a one-way thing. Again, it's not just like I've got, oh, good, I've got this agony aunt. I've got this person who never sleeps. He'll never get bored of my same stories over and over, which is true in a comfort, especially for my husband, I think. <laughs> I bring it to God first. But um, I find that it's, I, leave, I leave space to have that conversation and communication with God as well. It's not just, um, just dumping everything. I, I find that recently... Um, I was praying over and over for this big prayer. I needed this, this big uh, answer to prayer from God. And, and he gave it to me. And um, he, he didn't answer my prayer in the way I wanted him to. <laughs> and even though I should have been really grateful because it was this beautiful answer to prayer, I was niggling. I was like, oh, God, uh, I know I should be grateful, but I'm a little bit annoyed. And I just I felt really ungrateful. And so I just said that to him. And I felt straight away that he, he forgave me and he understood what I meant. And I waited a bit, minute longer and he reminded me, oh, remember when I answered prayers like this before and how good it was after? And, and it just, something that could have just left a little bit of tension in my relationship with God actually was swept away through that constant prayer. And I mean, full disclosure, I wanted him to miraculously do something. He used people to help me. <laughs> and that's the just he was reminding me of over and over, which is great. But um, basically, also this sort of foundational, bringing everything to God in prayer, this relational prayer, it brings such a depth to my relationship with God and it opens the door for me to have such a deep relationship to him. So when I do have an extended time of prayer, when I do come in the evening to pray, it's sort of like having a relationship with your flatmate when you're constantly communicating with them, when you sit down with them. It's not all of a sudden like, oh, I need to remember to tell you this, I need to remember to tell you that. I'm not holding out and waiting to tell God stuff later. I'm telling it straight away. And I find that because of this, when big things happen, unexpected things, I'm so much quicker and feel closer to God and so much more confident in the prayers I have with him. I've had a miscarriage. I've moved countries three times now. And there are times when I just feel like, where is my home? My, the family I grew up in, I'm living in a very different culture. I'm raising my kids in a different culture that I'm from. And there are times it just feels, I don't really know what to say. And I know that the spirit, the groans and sighs and the not feeling quite at home, which I think we all feel as Christians anyway, if we're honest, I think I can bring that to God and I feel so comforted. And I actually do feel at home in him. And so I just encourage you, church, I know that sometimes this is a new way to think about prayer. And I know that, um, that it can be uncomfortable and you might feel even a little bit silly 
But I would encourage you to sort of pursue this relationship, this prayer life with God. And um, if you don't know where to start, I would start with the Psalms. David was not perfect, but he was called a man after God's own heart. David wrote the Psalms. And he brought the full range of emotion and feeling and praise to God. And particularly, um, if you're going to start anywhere, I encourage you to start with Psalm 139. I timed it. It takes me two minutes to read it out, so I'm not going to do it this morning. (laughs) But I would encourage you to write it down and go and just pursue a prayer life of continuous just conversation with God. Because he loves you. He's all those things we read and more. Wonderful. Let's welcome Doris. Good morning, everyone. I've never done this before, so... (laughs) And for those who know me, you know I tend to be all over the place. uh, um, So, I love to pray, as uh, some of you know. And uh, Lizzie has told us about prayer. And the first time we talked about it, I think I was talking about it with Guy. And he said, oh, Lizzie is going to talk about prayer to God. And that seems like the horizontal uh, sign of the cross, you know, up, down. And, uh, but what I wanted to talk about is more like vertical. So it's prayer with one another, praying with others and praying for others, which is uh, a lot of what I've done over the, over the years. We've moved a lot. Uh, but it's around 1996, we moved to, uh, from Watford to Chippenham in Wiltshire uh, due to Ralph's job, as usual. Uh, we joined uh, Day Spring Church, and uh, Ralph was part of the leadership. And this is where I started to be called on to pray for others. And at other times, I would just follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit, being a small church and lots of people in different villages. If you know Chippenham very well, it's it's one of the small big towns and everything is all villagey around it. And I used to just follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit and, you know, go to uh, people and just spend time with them and pray with them. Um, now, prayer is not just getting on your knees and, and praying, but every prayer is a powerful weapon, and strongholds come tumbling down. So any prayer you pray, don't take it for granted, because the enemy really doesn't like our prayers. But I want to let you know that every prayer is a powerful weapon, and strongholds do come tumbling down. Now, the, um, talking about praying with others, I uh, had the story of uh, Moses when Joshua was sent to go and fight in the battle. Moses had to hold up that, uh, the rod of God in his hands. And that story is taken from Exodus 17, 9 to 12. Uh, if I read all of it, it will take <laughs> a long time. But you know that as the battle went on, Moses' hands got sore. He couldn't keep holding that rod up. And whenever he let his hand down, Joshua was losing. So it's like, oh, come on, guys, we've got to get this rod up there all the time. So Aaron put a stone underneath Moses, and he sat down, and Hor held one hand, and Aaron held the other. And Moses was able to just fight and fight and fight and win that uh, victory against the uh, Amalekites. I, I, I find that, you know, when you are contending for breakthrough, 
you really need others alongside yourself. Whether it is finances, it is jobs, it is marriage, it is especially children. It's like it's an ongoing thing that you, you talk to about God and you just think, no, I just need somebody. Somebody that understands where I'm coming from, not your husband, because it's like, here we go again. I've heard that before. So, so, so along the way, God has given me, you know, prayer partners to just like talk things over, pray about things and, you know, really get engaged uh, with God and see breakthrough. Because especially there's just some issues you can't give up on and say, okay, it doesn't matter. He's just uh, my daughter. He can. No, you have to stand and stand and stand. And getting others alongside is really uh, helpful. Now, we are a family, and I think in academy yesterday we were saying that over and over again, that we are a family. And I just want to throw in this example. As a family, if you are all in the house, you tend to listen out. It's like, where is that child, you know? You listen out for one another because either he's rolling out, you know, pouring out a whole can of powder somewhere or something. So... So, and that's my encouragement. The series we've been doing in church here is we are a family. So listening out for one another is, uh, is important. The other story I want to bring out is from Luke, uh, 1, chapter, Luke chapter 1 from verse 9 to 15. It's going to come up on the screen. Here is another family situation and it's about Elizabeth and Mary. So according to the story, Zacharias was born in Incense in the temple, and the people were praying. The angels appears, gives a prophecy. Elizabeth will have a son. Call him John. He will be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Mary, the mother of Jesus, then encounters God, and he gets this information. At that time, you don't have any mobile phones and you know Facebook to just spread the news. So the angel tells him, "Your cousin Elizabeth is expecting." Now, if you know that story well, the angel didn't say, go to Elizabeth. He just followed that prompting in her heart and traveled all the way to visit Elizabeth. And can you imagine Elizabeth being six months in seclusion? She didn't want to go out just because everybody, she was so embarrassed about this situation with uh, the pregnancy. But I don't know if you people can imagine Zacharias. Zacharias could have been dumb, but he would have just been going around with a big smile in his face, <laughs> and he couldn't say any word to anybody, just like babbling away. Anyway, <laughs> but the powerful thing I see in this story is that Mary's greetings caused the baby to leap in Elizabeth's womb. Just a greeting. So the Holy Spirit that is within us is so powerful that within Mary, he's now filled with the Holy Spirit and is carrying Jesus, and he just greets Elizabeth, and the baby leaped in the womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. What about us? We are full of the Holy Spirit. Your greeting to somebody is important. And that greeting actually brought about a fulfillment of that prophecy. He didn't get hands laid on her or anything. He just had a greeting. And Elizabeth prophesied, uh, and we know that prophecy so, so well. Because God, uh, Isaiah 61 says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it's what I want to say to you, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And he has anointed you. And it's not just something 
you know, to joke about. He has anointed you. And what has he anointed you to do? He's anointed you to bring good news to the poor. He sent you to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim to the captives that, that they be released and liberty to those that are bound. We are anointed by the Holy Spirit to bless others. Now, as a stay-home mom, uh, in the younger years, I used to pray a lot on the phone. In those days, you didn't have the cordless phone. So that means if you're stuck by the phone on the wall, that's where you are. And you don't know what the children are up to. <laughs> and one day, by the time I finished praying, my eldest thought she had finished a whole bottle of peanut butter just like <laughs> So praying with others is the way I've really sharpened uh, the gifts of the spirit that God has uh, put uh, within me. Now, just quickly say about Jesus, he needed his prayer partners, Peter, James, John, on the Mount of Transfiguration, as well as uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Although they didn't do the job, a good job of praying with him, they just like dozed off. So it's all right if your prayer partners doze off on you. <laughs> so Terivergo, in his book, A People Prepared, says that if we are going to see a powerful breakthrough, we need to develop intercession. And the best context is really praying with two or three people together. Uh, I think within Freedom in Christ, for those of you who don't know about the course, it's a 10-week course. Um, because of the nature of the church, we just take only about eight people. And then we have individual appointments with people. And we have seen a lot of breakthrough. For some of you here, you've already attended the Freedom in Christ course. It is a discipleship course. So some people think it's for people with issues. So they stay away. And no, it is not. And I got into Freedom in Christ through Sarah Dogan. Because when we moved uh, to King's Church 2004... Uh, after being in leadership, I was just like, I was ready to just sit on my hands and not do anything. And Sarah always used to say, come on, Doris, there's somebody we need to pray for. And uh, I think, no, I'm working, I'm busy. She said, oh, no, don't worry, we'll, we'll come to you. I said, oh, no. I'll, I'll, I'll. She said, no, don't worry, we'll, we'll do it. So she'll bring people around to the house, Sarah Duggan, and we'll pray. And we started to see breakthrough. And uh, that was when uh, Daniel and Sarah introduced Freedom in Christ to the whole church, and a lot of people did go through the course. And, of course, they had to move to Vancouver, Canada. It's like, okay, Doris, you're in charge of Freedom in Christ now. That's how I got in. It's not by qualification. It's just by <laughs> default. Well, so, Freedom in Christ, you are totally reliant on the Holy Spirit because the person you're going to pray with has no idea what is going to come out. Not to talk about you, who, two of you, it's usually two, that's why I talk about prayer partnership. And the Holy Spirit is so wonderful. He just comes on the scene and he deals with issues without drama. Just casting out demons without drama. And it's such a beautiful thing. And just yesterday, somebody uh, who's moved on to another church plant, uh, uh, Brenda, Bo, uh, Brenda Bo, they were saying, she was saying that they had somebody in their congregation, just lots of issues, and they said, oh, I'm going to try this Freedom in Christ course. So she took another lady, took the materials, and the two of them went through the course, and they prayed with her during the appointment they had with her, and, you know, went through all the... And this woman, when she got home, the husband said, you're different. What's happened? All her headaches, she suffered headaches for so many years. All her headaches, totally gone. 
for weeks. So even the pastor, they don't believe in the things of the spirit that much. Even the pastor is like, give me those things. I need to use it on these other guys. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Let's welcome Guy. Good morning, folks. We've had encouragement to to always be praying, to pray without ceasing, and also to pray with one another in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, very good. The, I'm, I'm going to speak on the persistent widow. And when our younger daughter was growing up, we sometimes used to call her uh, the, by the name of that character in one of Jesus' parables, the, the persistent widow. So I'm going to read the parable. Then I'll tell you a little bit about why we called her the persistent widow. Uh, I'm doing this with her permission. <coughs> I've asked twice, just to be sure. And, and then we'll go through the, the parable about why we should keep praying, why we should be persistent in prayer, particularly that God's kingdom would come. So we'll read from Luke 18, verses 1 to 8. Thank you. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Um, The the setting of our persistent widow, uh, our younger daughter, is is the the weekly shop to little. And uh, I just want you to join us as we as we walk through the doors, through the automatic doors. They open. And I think it's important you understand the balance of power here. Jocelyn has all of the money, and the younger daughter has none. That's the balance of power as you're going into the situation, yeah? And immediately, you can maybe picture it there, but there's, there's cakes on the right-hand side, yeah? I, I know this is the slot just before tea and coffee. I appreciate that. And Rachel says, please, mummy, she's learned to say please, Please, mummy, can I have one of those? Not just now, replies Jocelyn. And we, we continue walking, walking through. She's passed the, the Danish pastries with a longing look, the poor little mite. And, and she continues, but she hasn't lost hope yet. And we, we get as far as the, the cheese section. We're fine. There's a relief. Uh, the younger daughter is not, the, the, the persistent widow is not interested in cheeses. Then we get to the, the sweeties section. Please, mum. Now, I would have thought that please only has one syllable. 
But at this stage, there's definitely a bit of a plea going on. So it's, please! I can't do it right, but you get what I mean. There's something more happening by this stage in the sweeties section. And Jocelyn, the one who holds all of the power in the situation, says, not just now. We, we move on. We're, we're quite safe in the kind of tinned plum tomatoes. You know, there's really not too much danger there. Corn, beef, sweet corn, we're doing fine. We're, we're just carrying on. Um, then we get to the biscuit section. It blows me why biscuits are in a different section from cakes for such incidents. Please, Mum, can I have one of those? There's a a touch of desperation entering in. You know, the the tone of voice is shifting at this stage. She's persistent. She's wanting to get something before we leave little. Not just now, is is the reply. We get to the frozen food section. You'd think you're safe. The ice creams. She always left the shop with something. <laughs> the persistent widow always walked out content out of that shop. Now, maybe afterwards you can speak to me about parenting skills. <laughs> but, but, um, but she was just persistent. And, and, and she, she got something from the, from the, the shopping trip. Um, back, to, back to our parable. Jesus told this parable of the persistent widow to his disciples who were longing for Jesus to reign. They were longing for him just to take control and to sort all kinds of things out. And the widow in the parable is also longing for change. She, she wants justice. Yeah? She wants things to be set right. Now, in, in this parable, to be honest, we're only seeing the middle scene. If there's three scenes, we're just seeing the middle one. The, the interaction of how the judge handled the widow. We don't see what the adversary had done to her, and we don't see the party afterwards, and perhaps what happened to the adversary. All we see is the middle scene of between the, the judge and the widow. The, the judges, they were appointed by the Romans, by an oppressive power, and they were known as robber judges, because they would insist often on a bribe in order to do justice for someone. Jesus makes it clear that he wasn't fit for the job. He neither feared God nor nor respected people. And yet this man seemingly had the future of the widow in his hands. Then there's the widow, alone, desperate, unable to pay a possible bribe even if she wanted to. And apparently she's got no chance at all. Twice in the last 24 hours, someone said to me, this situation is just hopeless. Maybe you face some situation that apparently is just hopeless. And for this widow, it was absolutely hopeless. The only tactic she had, if you could call it tactic, was she just kept going. She wouldn't give up until the judge got so fed up that he decided, I want some peace and quiet. I'll just settle the case. And he did. At that point, Jesus makes the contrast. He says, consider what the unjust judge said. Is not our good God 
so much better than that unjust God. And we look for change. I'm sure that you look for change in 101 situations, whether it's in your family or job or in people's hearts. We look for change. We look for God's kingdom to come. And we may not express it this way, but actually we cry out to God day and night, your kingdom come. We're crying to God because we want change. And yes, Jesus is building his kingdom now, and many of us here are evidence of that. We've seen how he has become the king of our lives. We've seen how he has transformed us. We've seen him heal people. We've seen miracles. We've seen his kingdom come in part now. We can testify to that. But that's not what Jesus is immediately addressing in this section. He's encouraging us not to give up praying. He's recognizing that there is also often a time of waiting when we long for change. When we long for the situation to to just be sorted. And it goes on and we cry out to God and it goes on a bit more and we cry out to God. And at that point, Jesus says, don't give up. Keep on praying. Sometimes at that point, I give up praying. I go through the motions, of course, usually. Sometimes, actually, I don't even bother with emotions. <laughs> but uh, I, go, I usually go through the motions. But the, the element of faith, the element of expectancy has just gone out of the window. And Jesus brings us that encouragement. Don't give up. Always keep on praying. Let's keep praying. Your kingdom come. Don't give up. The Lord Jesus in this, in this account, he ends, there's a sting in the tail. And he, he asks, but when he comes, when the Lord Jesus comes, will there basically be still persistent widows on the earth? Will there be those who are crying out day and night for God's kingdom to come? You see, when we begin to give up, we start to paint God as the unjust judge. Our God is so much better than that. He encourages us through this parable to keep praying. The final bit, Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes, and we've sung about this this morning, and Luke referred to it a few weeks ago, when you begin to see the fact that the Lord Jesus is coming to set up his kingdom, you see it all over the place in Scripture, and you also see it all over the place in what we sing actually as well. He is coming. And the final, just two slides to finish. And God's people, those who might appear like desperate widows at times, in the blink of an eye, we're going to become the bride of Christ. And justice will be done. Things will be sorted. Let's not give up. Let's keep praying. Your kingdom come. Thank you. Isn't that wonderful? She's been served so well. 
uh, by those uh, three guys. We really appreciate you uh, making the effort and speaking from your own experiences. It's been so helpful. I'd love us to respond. Just want to uh, give you a moment to think, how, how am I going to respond to this? Maybe just felt really inspired by uh, what Lizzie shared about just that, that constant prayer, just that sense of just I'm always in conversation uh, with God and the, the, the speed that gives for all sorts of things in terms of bringing things to God, in terms of getting forgiveness when we do things wrong, um, and what it means in terms of knowing his presence, knowing him with us. Maybe you felt um, more than inspired by that, but actually welcomed in. God is welcoming us in to give him our attention all the time. I know that you work busy jobs. I know that there's loads of things going on, and God's saying, I'm, I'm here the whole time just wanting to hear from you. Uh, that's an invitation from God. I, I love how Lizzie addressed it in that way. It's an invitation from God for you to keep giving him your attention, keep giving him your thoughts, your fears, your, 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 your love, your, your affection, your confusion, all those things. God's inviting you to that. Maybe it was what Doris said about praying with others and praying with faith was inspired by that and just hearing again that sense of, of believing God when we pray. I know you get, if you're a Christian, you're used to praying, but when God says, no, when you pray, things happen because God works his power in those moments. And you, you just need to believe that pr- the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective again. And maybe one of the things you need to do to help with that is to say to one or two other people, would you come and pray with me? Should we get together and pray? Should we call on God again and again together? I did that with some, some friends of mine did that with me, actually, like nearly 20 years ago. It changed my life. Because we started saying, we're going to pray, and then we're going to pray again, we're going to pray again. Maybe you've been inspired by that. Or maybe it's this, this, this final story of persistence in prayer. I'm going to ask, and I'm going to ask, and I'm going to ask, and I'm going to ask. And God loves to give. And all of us live with unanswered prayer. But this passage, this parable that Jesus tells us is saying to us, God loves to, answer our, loves to answer our prayers, and he will do. So whichever of those things it is, maybe you just need that sense of, I need to start talking to God more. He's invited me to talk to him all the time, and I barely do it at all. Maybe it's get alongside others and praying with faith, calling on him confidently. Maybe it's keeping going, just stepping out of, uh, not going through the motions, not just saying, oh, I know I'm supposed to pray this. But believe in God, afresh, afresh, afresh. Whichever those three is, why don't you just speak to God about that now. Just tell him in your heart. Just say, Lord, you know what it is for me. You know uh, what I struggle with. You know I don't pray like that or I, I've stopped praying like that. Or I found it difficult. Why don't you just tell him and ask him to help change your prayer life. That it will become closer to him. That it will become more confident. That it will persevere whatever's going on. Ask him to help you with that because he loves to help us with this. It's a great invitation.